going to be finishing up this little excursus that we've done concerning the law of Christ. And there's much, much, much more that we could say about it. I have more in my notes than what we'll be able to give to you. But I trust by now you're beginning to see the relationship that we have under the new covenant. That we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. And that really is the law of Christ and everything else underneath that falls underneath that love. In other words, folks, every commandment that we obey in the New Testament, we are to do out of a heart of what? Of love. Love to God and love to our fellow man. And so let's just read as a review Hebrews chapter 8. This is the new covenant. This is Christ's more excellent ministry. This is Him being the mediator of a better covenant enacted on better promises. Hebrews 8 verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault, not with the covenant, but with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother saying know the Lord for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first, what? Obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Under the new covenant, we are enjoying the reality of Christ. It's not the shadows that we serve. It's not the types that we serve. It's not the lessons and the objects that were there that were to tell us about Him. We are enjoying the reality. A real temple, a real filling of the Holy Spirit, a union with the second Adam, that is Christ Himself, a fellowship, an intimacy, and more importantly, as this passage intimidates, a rebirth in which we have been given the third member of the Godhead. We've been given the Spirit of Jesus Christ 
in order to be able to obey Him. This is an obedience that is flowing from faith, and that is flowing out of life, new life in Christ Jesus. And we've been seeing how that relationship of that law and the fact that we all understand that Paul himself rejected the law as a covenant for New Testament believers. He just outright rejects it. From my perspective, he doesn't really divide it up into moral, ceremonial, judicial, but he views that law as a whole. And he rejects it as a covenant for New Testament believers. We are under a what kind of covenant? A new covenant. And the realities have come to us. Now as we move to the passage that I quoted to you in John chapter 13, I'm just wanting to show us how that cruciform love is really the law of Christ. You could sum up His law in that word. And we took a look at last Lord's Day, Matthew chapter 22. So let's just recover that. Matthew chapter 22, when our Lord was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And He answered that question, Matthew 22 verse 37, here is the great commandment or the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The only one who has done that perfectly was Him. And we have the capacity to love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to grow in that. But He did it perfectly and infinitely. He says the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And as we noted, between those two commandments, the great commandment and the one that is like it, what is the common verb? It is the word love. Love. And so we posted, you can put the law of love, the great commandment to love with all your heart the Lord. And like unto it, when it comes to your neighbor, you're to love your neighbor as your what? As yourself. And then we looked at the paradox that if I'm loving God with all I have, then it would seem like I would have no love for my neighbor. But actually, it is loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind that gives us the capacity for the love to overflow to our neighbor. If a man or a woman doesn't love God in that fashion, they don't have the capacity to love their neighbor. And just look at lost people today. They have no capacity to love their neighbor. But Christians do and should. And so Jesus Christ Himself, we'll look at this, would say, by this, all men will know that you are My who? My disciples. If you have... Love one to another, what kind of love? As I loved you, type of love. And that should be abundant and seen in a local New Testament church. Now folks, that love 
is the goal of everything. If we grow in grace, we're growing in love. If our hearts are being enlarged, it's being enlarged in His love. And you know, especially as you have studied relationships within the family, that God tells the husband to love his wife like Christ loved the church and gave Himself. The Bible tells the wife to love and reverence her husband as in who? The Lord. And so you have all this that is going on here to show the very focus and aim of this. Now, tonight I want to finish this up and I just want to look at several things here concerning this love. Now, When I say love, I mean cruciform love or the love of Christ. I'm not talking about the emotion of love. I'm not talking about fallen men's love. I'm not talking about the worldly type of love. I'm not talking about the feeling that some people associate with love or the romanticism that's associated with that. I'm talking about the love of Christ Himself. And first of all, I want us to note this. That cruciform love is the evidence of being regenerated. And we won't turn to this passage for sake of time because we've looked at it in previous messages. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, down through chapter 5 and verse 4 talk about this. That God is love, and if God is in us, we will what? We will love. And John makes this very, very plain in those verses. Secondly, cruciform love is the aim of all the commandments. Cruciform love is the aim of all the commandments. And I do want us to look at this passage. I want you to turn to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter one. And many of you are probably aware of the circumstances. <clears throat> the church at Ephesus was having some issues. And part of those issues is that there were men there that were desiring to be teachers of the law. But they did not understand either what they were saying nor did they understand the matters about which they make such confident assertions. And you'll see that in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And Paul reminds Timothy, and through Timothy, the church at Ephesus. He says, look, verse 3, as I, urged upon, uh, as I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus so that you may instruct So the purpose of him remaining there was to instruct and teach. Now look at verse 5. The goal of our instruction. Everybody see that? He is to instruct and teach. Alright? But what's his aim? This is his aim. 
The goal of our instruction is what? Love. Everybody see that? The aim of the instruction is love. The aim of my instruction from this pulpit by the Scripture is love. This is the aim, the purpose. And it is love that is flowing from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. In other words, folks, as the Word is being preached, it does things internally. First of all, it purifies our heart. The second thing it does is it trains our conscience. It tells us this is right, this is wrong. And thirdly, it purifies or makes more genuine our faith in Christ. So you've got that that ground foundation here as the preaching is going on. Purifying our hearts, training our conscience, giving to us a genuine faith, and what comes out of that? Love. If we're truly being instructed, if this action is truly purifying our hearts, training us in righteousness, if that is really going on, what comes out of it isn't this. I'm going to bang you over the head with the law. What comes out of it is love. A love that is to be seen not only in the instruction, but also in the reception of the instruction. Now parents, that's very helpful for us, isn't it? As parents or grandparents, we have children. If I was to ask you parents, do you give instruction to your children, you would probably laugh at me. Because the answer is so obvious. Is there a time where you're not instructing them? Is a better question. But what is the aim of your instruction? That's the better question. Is it to have a life so transformed that they would have sacrificial love flowing out of them? that we would see and know. And brethren, this really is the expression of maturity. To grow in likeness of Christ isn't necessarily to grow in scriptural activity. It is to grow and be transformed in our hearts to be conformed to His image. And what did they see in Him? What do you see in Him? You see... God in human flesh sacrificing, don't you, for our iniquity. How far? Even to the death of a what? Of a cross. This is the mind that we're to have inside. And folks, I do think that the passage here says in verse 6, Some men, for some men straying, I do think that we, the church in America, is in danger of having strayed from this aim in their congregations. 
every pastor would love to preach to 10,000, 10,000 of people. They would love to have building programs upon building programs, maybe. They would love to have ministries and outreach all over the place. But folks, if I have all the ministries operating, if I give my body to be burned, if I have all knowledge, but I don't have what? It profits me nothing. Does everybody hear that? This is the aim of Christ's instruction to us. A change of heart a purification, a trained conscience, and a genuine faith, and love flowing out of those things. And of course, we've already seen in Galatians chapter 5 that faith works by what? By love. Faith operates. It is energized by love. That is the venue in which we express our faith. So cruciform love is the evidence of regeneration. Cruciform love is the aim of all the commandments. And thirdly, cruciform love is the fulfillment of the law. And I will look at four passages where it brings this out very definitively. Go to Romans chapter 13. Book of Romans, chapter 13. And I'm just going to read these with very, very little comment. But Romans 13 and verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to what? Love one another. Does everybody see that? In other words, this verse just isn't a verse that says pay your bills. Don't be in debt. Because we are in debt. What are we in debt to? One another to what? To love them. Everybody see that? Owe no man anything except to love one another. Why? For he who loves his neighbor has done what to the law? Has fulfilled the law. For this, verse 9, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as who? As yourself. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And again, I have to keep putting this footnote up. This is the love of God that is being expressed through us. And so he writes, Romans 13 verse 10, secondly, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the what? Of the law. And folks, we could we could word the Ten Commandments in this fashion. We could say committing adultery 
is unloving. Could we say that? No matter what people say, well, I'm, I, I'm cheating on my wife because I love this other person. You do not love that other person. This is not the love of God. We could say that it is unloving to murder. I think most people wouldn't have a problem with that one. Until you realize that using speech, calling a brother, you fool, is murder. Using our speech in a way that is inappropriate and demeaning is unloving. Do we see that? We could say this, you shall not steal. Me stealing, taking something that is under the stewardship of another person, is not just, I stole. It's that you are unloving. You are breaking the law of what? Love. Everybody see that? Folks, in our relationship to one another, in my relationship to you, in your relationship to me, it would be wonderful if you and me together were perfect in love. We would have such a sweet relationship. Because me getting frustrated with you or you getting frustrated with me is an unloving action. Everybody see what I'm saying? The problem is me. I don't have enough of his love. Or we could take the other one. You shall not covet. Desiring something that is my neighbor's. Anything. Is not loving my neighbor. And that's why twice in this chapter he says... He who loves has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And folks, it's real easy for me to say, to cover over my hate with the fact that I haven't done this to my wife. I haven't committed adultery with my wife. But what is the great commandment? Love. (laughs) Love to God and love to my fellow man. A love that is seen sacrificially. To where I would deny myself for the good, as God defines good, for the good of another person. Isn't that what Christ did? And so love is that fulfillment. We are in debt to love one another. You have an obligation to one another in our church to cruciformly love one another. It's as real of a debt as if you owed that person $100,000. Thirdly, the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is exciting because we're taking the whole excursus because of the book of Galatians. And so here, Galatians chapter 5. (coughs) 
Paul writes to that church, verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you notice something about what he writes here? How much of the law is fulfilled? The whole law is fulfilled in that one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, would that be loving? Take care that you are not consumed by one another. Folks, walk, walk by the Spirit. Now what do you think the Holy Spirit is going to have you walk in? Love. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So folks, what we know just superficially is that the desire of the flesh is unloving. So things like immorality, unloving. Impurity, unloving. Sensuality, unloving. Verse 20, idolatry, unloving. Sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissertations, those are evil too, (laughs) dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. And he can't even give the whole list. All of those things are of the flesh and all of those things are unloving one to another, right? But what about this? Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is what? There's no law. What does that mean? Folks, you try this. Take some of your grandchildren or your children, take them aside and say, I command you to be joyful. Can your command produce joy in them? Yes or no? No. Alright? Christian, walk an aisle and say, from now on I'm going to be joyful. You just made a law, didn't you? How'd you do? (laughs) Alright? How do you you walk in joy? How do you you walk in love? How do you walk in self-control? By the by the Spirit of life inside of you. As the Scripture transforms you internally and you grow in maturity and likeness to Christ, you will grow in cruciform love, sacrificial love one to another. You will make decisions differently. You will talk differently. Everything about you will be different. Everybody see that? There's no law that I could give you to make you have this love or the divine joy or the divine temperance. What can give us that? Rebirth. The Spirit 
of the life of Christ inside of us, that can work and function within us. And then lastly, if we turn to the book of James chapter 2 with this, We got Romans 13a, we're not to owe anything to one another except to love. We got Romans 13.10, love does not do wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. We have Galatians 5.14, number three, the whole law is fulfilled in one word in this statement. And then in James chapter 2, in verse 8, James writes, If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing what? You are doing well. Folks, what is a royal law? Why did did James say the royal law? If I say royal law, what does that mean? Well, it's the law of a king, isn't it? Folks, who is our king? Christ Christ Jesus the Lord. You read the book of the Gospel of Matthew, and that's what he's going to persuade you about, that the Son of God is the promised king. And James says, all right, you want, you want to know what the law from the king is? Well, you would do well if you would love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, this is the law of our king. This is the law of Christ. And in the new covenant, <clears throat> his laws have been written in our hearts and our minds. We have been born anew. We have been given the life of God in our soul so that now we have the power to walk according to those laws. All summed up in one word, which is love. Love. If I love my wife, I'm not going to commit adultery. If I love my wife, I'm not going to harm her with my speech. If I love my wife, I'm going to lay down my life for her like Christ laid down His. This is the law of a king. Now folks, in the new covenant, we are under the law of Christ. And I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We've looked at it before. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says in verse 19 that though I'm free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law. Everybody see that? So that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, 
as without law, though not being without the law of God, under the law of who? Of Christ. Everybody see that? See how Paul differentiates there? Folks, we are under that law. His law. And it's not... John would write in 1 John, this is not really a new commandment, but it is a new commandment. Because if you look in the Old Testament, I forget the number of times, I should have looked it up, I think there's seven or nine times that Moses exhorts those people to love the Lord their God. But in John chapter 13, as we get to that law, and as been quoted earlier, <clears throat> Jesus is going away. And He says in verse 33 that where He's going, they cannot come. And He looks at those men all 11 of them, and probably others that were around the table who were overhearing. And he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now that aspect of it was not new. But folks, in Jesus, the invisible God becomes visible. What would that look like? As I have loved who? You. you. Everybody see that? Folks, Christ loved perfectly. And He Himself fulfilled the law. He fulfilled its condemnation on our behalf, did He not? He fulfilled by obeying it perfectly, did He not? And it all flowed out of a perfect, infinite love to His Father to do the will of His Father. In other words, He obeyed perfectly, suffered on our behalf, was condemned on our behalf because He loved God with all of His heart. It flowed out of a heart of love. The sending of Christ to the earth flowed out of the love of God the Father. His Spirit that is given to us is the Spirit of love, divine love. And Jonathan Edwards writes in his little book on charity, which I would recommend to you to read. At the end of that book, he has a chapter called Heaven, the World of Love. I think he got, he got the understanding of it. No harm done in heaven, is there? No evil one to another. Why? because we have the divine love of Christ. And folks, he says here in this passage, verse 35, 
that it is by this cruciform love that all mankind will know that you are my disciples. Folks, a disciple is a learner follower. If the master so loved, and we're following in his steps, would we so love? And would he not teach us to love one another? So that the lost around us, and even brethren, would see that person, that lady, that child, they are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Everybody see that? And folks, if you, if you just kindly recall, this is what a church is to be made up of. We're to go into all the world and make disciples. And if there's any place where a taste of the love of Christ should be seen, it's in a local New Testament assembly. A person should walk away from here and say, you know, I really hate being here, but those people really love God. And those people really love one another. I listened to how they talk and the things they talked about and the things they conversed to one another. I heard this person say that they would do this for them or they would take them somewhere or whatever. They would see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And I don't care how many laws that I give you, no law can produce that in a church. I could give you 80 laws on how not to commit adultery. But guess what? Someone out there would say, you needed 81 because they would find a way around it. But if the aim of the instruction is love, then what blossoms and blooms in a New Testament assembly in which the presence of Christ is active and working in, what you have is a church that is growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Growing in eternal life in cruciform love one to another. And folks, a church should be able to look back in their history and say, we have more love today than we had 30 years ago. We may not have all knowledge. We may not understand all prophecies. We may not have had everybody lay down their life and give away all their goods to the poor. But we had faith. And we had hope. And we had love. And we know that the greatest of those three is love. Everybody see that? This is the law of Christ. 
this is what we are under in the new covenant. A life of cruciform love. Now what does that look like? Folks, cruciform love has this intense hatred of something that you and I love. And that is living for self. If I love God with all my heart, then I'm not loving who? Myself. Myself. My interest or His interest. If my love to God and my supreme love for God is overflowing to you, then I'm not interested in who? Myself. Myself. And Paul would write to a church, do everything for edification. And the problem that we have is that we, and I mean we, I mean me too, I love me. Do you love me? I don't mean me. I mean the me you. Do you love you? Don't you find that you're quick to make every decision on how it affects you? How much trouble it's going to cost you? In all that I'm saying, the issue is you are orbiting around you. Christ did not do that. He said, nothing originates from me. And when I read statements like that, I just scratch my head. That is incomprehensible to me. Folks, the thing that we should do is do what Jesus said. Take up your cross. Deny who? Yourself. Yourself. And follow me. And I want to tell you something. That is the most joyful, liberating, wonderful reality. Those moments when I am freed from this slavery to me. (laughs) To live for Him. It's wonderful. Are we going to be perfect in this life? No, but one day we will. Can you imagine a whole world where nobody's living for themselves? Can you imagine a whole world that you'll never hear, be the best you you can be? Do the best you can? You've got to do what's right for you. Don't you hunger for a world that's not like that? It's a world of love. Let's pray.